So you can finish school and you can make it easy. That's not true of education. You never finish it, and it's seldom easy. But Automobile University comes as close to being easy as anything I have ever seen. You can arrive at your work better prepared, or you can arrive at your job worse prepared because of the attitude you have. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we hear almost three minutes from Zig Ziggler, where it's a presentation he talks about maintaining the right mental attitude, how crucial that is, and what we can do about it. It's a really powerful message. Well, from it, I posted on Facebook at my Agent K. Miller page, where you're welcome to join the conversation. I ask, what do you do to correct your bad attitude? Literally, when you get angry, frustrated, disappointed, sad, what do you do to overcome those emotions? Well, I received possibly the most comments ever to any question we posted today. And I think you'll be greatly intrigued to hear what people shared. Well, Tom Ziegler and I then had a great conversation as we read through these comments. Incredibly powerful stuff. Before I give you over to Zig's message to kick us off, I want to share a couple great offerings. Okay, folks, here then I give you today's lead off message from Zig Ziglar. Have you ever been uh, running a little bit late for an important appointment? And you're going along real good, and all of a sudden there's a huge traffic jam in front of you at the worst possible time. How many of you have ever, ever done that? Okay. How many of you will confess that uh, when you saw that, you slapped the steering wheel and you stomped your foot, you know, and shook your fist? Why don't they do something around here about that? How long is this traffic jam? Go- I mean, have you any, any of you ever done that? Can I see your hand? <laughs> well, this is probably going to surprise you, but that's exactly what I recommend. <laughs> Because I'm certain you discovered that the louder you blew the horn, the people in front of you just opened the lanes <laughs> so you could go on through. <laughs> now, folks, if there's a better way, you'd want to know what it was, wouldn't you? Answer's yes. Remember, I, I, I help you on the toughens, okay? Well, this is where Automobile University comes in. What you want to do is try to guesstimate the length of the delay. Boy, it's going to keep us here 30 minutes. Now, let me see. In 30 minutes' time, I can build my vocabulary with at least 10 new words. I can learn two new sales closes. I can uh, study this investment strategy. Did you know that you can learn everything from Chinese art to the Bible while you're seated in automobile University. I was a visiting scholar for the University of Southern California for two years, and here's what they discovered. In three years' time, if you live in a metropolitan area and drive 12,000 miles a year, and if you don't live in a metropolitan area, you probably drive a whole lot further than that. But in three years' time, you can acquire the equivalent of two years of college in your automobile. Automobile University is truly a magnificent place to get the education you might have missed a little earlier in your life. Stephen Joe Payne bought the idea in Automobile University. Now, he got his GED when he was 22 years old. Then he heard about Automobile University 10 years ago, and he went back to school. Since then, he's become a translator for his company in Spanish and French. He also speaks Italian, Japanese, German, Russian, Portuguese, Norwegian, and he's learning Cherokee and starting Polish. And 98% of all of it has been learned in Automobile 
University. Folks, you see, we have no excuse whatever for not continuing our education. See, you can finish school and you can make it easy. That's not true of education. You never finish it, and it's seldom easy. But Automobile University comes as close to being easy as anything I have ever seen. You can arrive at your work better prepared, or you can arrive at your job worse prepared because of the attitude you have. Well, there you go, folks. Now let's jump into the conversation with Tom Ziegler as he and I read through your comments. All right, Tom. So from that incredible message from your dear father, I asked this question uh, on Facebook. What do you do to correct your bad attitude? Literally, when you get angry, frustrated, disappointed, sad, what do you do to overcome it? And I uh, tried to, we got so many comments. I tried to group them together somewhat and I'll, I'll read them off and well, you know, I was going to ask you, what do you do? But do you want to say that to begin with? Or do you want to insert as we hit the, well, because chances are we're going to hit on an area that hits your spot too, either way. Yeah. Let's insert as we go. All That'll right. be great. Okay. Well, the first one then, uh, it, I, I kind of just labeled under time. Uh, so here I'll, I'll read off a couple Johnny. He says, I literally give myself a 20 minute timeout where I go in a room alone, or if I'm at work, I go outside or away from all people. And I just sit and be present. It really helps to calm me down. Doesn't change the facts. I love that He said that, but it helps me to be the person I want to be. Patricia says, I acknowledge what the feelings are and look to where they really came from. Uh, I think on how I am working to demonstrate high value behaviors and what response best fits with that. Uh, then, uh, take some time and manage my, get my, my emotions under management. Uh, and Dan, you actually know this guy, Dan Miller, my near and dear father. He says, I like to immediately get alone. I process it better by myself. And then I ask myself, is this really making me feel better? Is this helping the situation anyway? Is this the life I want? Stoicism teaches that every time you get upset, a little life leaves the body. I know I have the choice. Uh, great wisdom there, but you know they all led off with go, going away and giving ourselves time. So what do you think? Oh, I, lo- I love that. I, I know Dad had a, a great response. If, if somebody would asking, ask him something, especially us kids asking him something, and it was, uh, but I don't know if the word's irritating or the mm-hmm. wrong timing or it kind of got him upset. This is what he would say. He would say, if you want the answer now, the answer is no. But if you can wait until tomorrow, then we'll see. Hmm. And boy, what a great response for a parent to their kids. But also, when we start to feel our emotions kind of take a hold of ourselves, to just give ourselves some time. Uh, For me, the first thought that I have is, did I get enough sleep last night? Hmm. Because usually when my emotions start getting going, it's not necessarily that the issue is so astronomically big. It's that something else is going on and responding in that moment, which would really be a reaction instead of a response only makes it worse. So I love the idea of taking some time. Okay. Well, so I want to go off with just what you said, asking yourself, did I get some sleep? Because we had a, he had some people who spoke to, I, I don't know if I, I termed it physiology in essence, which is what you're talking about there. Did I get enough sleep? Uh, Steven says, I, I do a recount of my food intake over the last 24 hours. What I've eaten is a direct, has a direct correlation to my emotions and my ability to control them. Maureen said, uh, she responded to him, said, this is huge. Avoiding gluten, sugar, dairy, chemicals is so big. 
Uh, and then somebody else says, um, um, oh, actually that was wrong. Oh, fasting. Somebody mentioned fasting in here as well, but dealing with the physiology, which Tom, I mean, you brought it up. You said sleep. I, I, I think that we don't give enough credit to, yeah, just our physiological reserves and where we might be. And to look at that and go, gosh, I'm really, you know, I'm feeling X, Y, Z and saying, is there some credit due to where I am from a physiological standpoint? And you mentioning sleep, I mean, sleep and food have got to be the first two. And I would venture to say sleep is probably number one. Yeah, I, definitely number one. And actually this morning I, I traveled late last night, got up super early uh, because I was coming from the East coast. And so my clock was on daylight savings time messed up uh, east to west and so literally i had a conversation with myself this morning knowing that my sleep tank is not full that i was going to take it easy on any big decisions today in in other words i was not going to let a trivial or a seemingly big thing create a wave in my life based on how I knew I was feeling at that time and, and giving yourself that margin before it happens. And that is a key to keeping your attitude up. Well, great. So I think that's a huge value to put out there because I think we don't, I love that perspective. If you know you're compromised, what a great thing to put on the table and go, probably not a great day for a, an in-depth discussion relationally or a big decision or whatever that it's a day to, yeah, take it easy. I, I, again, great value. This is why we put it out to you folks. You bring up great stuff. Um, this one I put down as a, as a title, feel it and let it go. Uh, Jennifer says, I take a walk and vent out loud to God. I probably look like a crazy person, but I need physical movement to get over it. Uh, Rob says, I work out to blow off steam. Uh, Jason says, I often split firewood. Uh, and uh, then he says, and, I, and, and he's a sculptor. He says, I've gone through periods where I make angry art, pounding metal into various shapes. <laughs> Isn't much different from splitting wood. And then Tyson says, I walk. It clears my head and allows me to reflect on what happened, how I reacted and how I could have been better. But they all just, again, that relation to doing something physical to alter things. Uh, Tom, I know that's part of your daily routine, not necessarily, you know, in response to emotions, but just doing something physical. And I think you're, you're doing that now habitually throughout the day, right? Yeah, I try to move on a regular basis. Uh, Dad had a great quote, Zig Ziglar quote, logic will not change an emotion, but action will. Hmm. And so everybody there was just mentioning that they were having a negative emotion. And so they, they got action to kind of get it out. Uh, there is studies been done where you can listen to kind of beat, you know, heavy beat, very active, kind of angry music for a little while, and then just start switching the tone of the music to where you end up in a, let's just call it a quiet praise and worship song and your whole disposition will change. Mm. And so it's something about recognizing the feelings that you have, validating them, say, Hey, you know what? This isn't good but I'm going to, I'm going to get out and move. I'm going to get my blood flowing. I'm going to, I'm going to get some of this tension, some of this pent up stuff out. Uh, so that's a great break. Uh, I know people who are in high stress situations who can take that five or 10 minute break during the day and, and just get, do a set of stairs, just get it going and then come back in. It's like that deep breath that changes everything. 
I, you know, I agree. Let's take a second though. I mean, cause we're, we're reading some stuff, you know, people who want to be alone, people who need to do something active. I mean, of course we've got to be hitting upon some personality styles. I am a, an introvert and uh, I don't deal with big emotions that well. And I will tend to get away. I need to get away and I need to think, I need to ponder. I need to well, just get my insides, you know, correct. Now my wife is an extreme extrovert and she emotes and that's how she, you know, deals with it. It's the exact opposite of myself, different personality styles and different ways. So I, I don't know if I have a point there, Tom, other than to say, as folks are listening to this, the point is not to come up with a, a, a specific point. We all have ours, but hopefully we resonate with these and through it should have some great ingredients for how we do deal with that side as, as I do on the introvert side, you can do the extrovert thing, but in, internally you're more of an extra or, or an, an introvert. And so, uh, yeah, the getting, you know, the being alone is probably more natural. You know, I love the alone time and, and I have to tell you my, my, um, positive emotion, uh, habit is this, and, and this is a habit that, that, that dad never taught me yet. I learned it from him. And I was reading Proverbs this week and I actually wrote it down. Proverbs 11.25. The proverb says, whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. Ah, oh, beautiful. And so that last sentence, and one who waters will himself be watered. And so here was dad's secret. Every morning, two to three hours, study, research, reading, meditation, quiet time, prayer, with one purpose in mind, what can I learn that I can share with somebody else that will help them? Hmm. And guess what? Who was, whose life was changed the most yeah. in that process? Yeah. Dad's life. And and so if, if you want to st- create a habit that sets up the right attitude, the right feelings, the right emotions for the day, what if the first part of the day you blocked out, you don't have to do three hours, but what if you just blocked out a little bit of time to learn something with the idea, I'm going to share this today. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to text a friend. I'm going to share it with a coworker, my child, whatever, that's going to enrich them. And it really does start the brain going in the right direction. Oh my gosh. That is, yeah, we have so many people that are testifying to that. The kind of like, again, I bring her up so often, Shanti Feldhahn with the kindness challenge and that the main beneficiary of being kind is you, um, more so than the results of that, which is so I think counterintuitive. So yes, I, I love that, Tom. Uh, well, so this next one I titled just gratitude. Uh, Jeff says, I start to think of things that I'm thankful for. I also pray, talk to God about how I feel. Elizabeth says, I take a deep breath and lift up my concerns, frustrations to God and ask that he help me overcome my emotions. Uh, I thank him for what I have and my focus is immediately changed. Sean says, I pause, I pray, I smile, and I find something to be grateful for. And then Barry says, I take a deep breath and remind myself that for everything that I struggled with, struggle with, there are billions of people who live on $2 per day, which made me think of the, you know, the funny term that I use a lot, first world problems. We complain, 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 and about, you know, the, the, uh, the scuff and the leather seat of your Porsche and come on, seriously, it's a first world problem. Put that in perspective, but I love that. That's what I think that's what gratitude does is puts things in perspective. Yeah, I have a phrase. Uh, I'm writing the book Live to Win right now, and there's actually going to be a section in it called 
the habitude of gratitude. <laughs> nice habitude. And and I found habitude, and I don't know if I was looking up Ben Franklin or the Noah Webster eighteen thirty eight or eighteen twenty eight dictionary, uh, but there's a there's a, habitude is a word, huh. and it's a combination of habit and attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so the habitude, the habit, the attitude of gratitude. And dad said that the habit, the uh, attitude of gratitude is the healthiest of all. Recently, a study came out and it said uh, kind of the opposite of gratitude is entitlement. Mm. Right. Right. If we feel entitled and we don't get it, then we feel like we're missing out, that we're being cheated, that, you know, people are taking advantage of us. And so we become easily offended. We become somebody who uh, is touchy and, and, and our nerves are, you know, afraid. And people who have that entitlement attitude actually end up in prison far more frequently than people who have the attitude of gratitude. And here's why. If you have an entitlement attitude and you're not getting your fair share, your fair share, then you justify taking what you you so rightly deserve, (laughs) even if you don't. And so you end up crossing the line over and over until you get caught. If you are grateful for all the little things that you have, and then somebody blesses you, you get overwhelmed with it, but you don't look out in jealousy or envy to somebody who has more because you're so grateful for what you do have. And so those people, they don't, they don't cross that line. That is significant. And I cannot believe that I did not know habitude was an actual word. Yeah. I just typed it in. Uh, there it is a habitual tendency or way of behaving. Um, okay. I love words. You just gave me a new one today, Tom. Thank you. Uh, worth the price of admission right there. Uh, Hey, next one I titled share, uh, Rocco says he journals. Uh, Yvonne says I, I write out a long, annoying complaint and then delete it before sending. Uh, Nicole says I have taken to journaling my thoughts and feelings because getting out on paper can help bring clarity and simply let out the anger. And I will raise my hand and say, I do that as well. That's, that's a big one for me. Um, Matthew says, I call my wife. Uh, we may not agree on everything, but having an accountability partner is key. She helps me. Uh, take my anger and, uh, and get calm. Uh, Brooke says, I track my husband down for a big bear hug, going for a walk or praying, uh, helps me. I find I often, other times I find a way to help or affirm someone else, but we had a lot and again, you know, with all these, I just picked a handful of what was a, a lot of responses with each area here that sharing, they needed to, they needed to share. And it wasn't, and these folks were different a little bit than the venting specifically, but it was to share, to talk through with somebody. Again, this would be my, my wife. She would want to talk it through with me. She does. I want to go and journal it, uh, you know, by myself, but either way it was that, I guess a cathartic, just getting it out so we don't stuff it, Tom. Right. I love it. One of the things that we teach in, in our uh, Ziegler Legacy Certification, there's there's a course that we teach called uh, Building the Best You. And we have this exercise called Dump It. Hmm. And what you do is, and this would work great here, is you just get out a sheet of paper and you write down uh, something that was said to you that was hurtful, that was negative, that set you back. Uh, in this case, it could be something that made you angry, a relationship you're worried about. You just write it out and then you give it away. You give it to God. You say, look, I, I can't handle I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm putting it behind me. I'm dumping it. And then you literally you wad that sheet of paper up and you, you know, you play uh, Michael Jordan and you toss that sheet of paper mm-hmm. from across the room into the trash can. And if you miss, you run up, you scoop it off the ground and you slam it down 
and you walk away from it. And it, metaphorically, it really works. It it really does release you. I I can I can almost see people stand you know half an inch taller after this exercise because who needs to carry that weight around? So so the idea of journaling it, writing it down, sharing it with a trusted friend, those are all ways to dump it. You know, one of the things I do here is I do uh, I do kind of the positive opposite of this. When I'm feeling that way, I text somebody some love. Mm. You know, I go to one of my close friends and I just say, you know, thinking about you, grateful for you, you've made a difference in my life. And, you know, it's funny because if all I need is a text, they'll text me back. And even though they don't know it, uh, sometimes they call me back and it's like, how did you know I needed to call right now? (laughs) Right. But by reaching out to somebody who's meant something to you in the past, they're going to reach back and it just changes the direction of your thoughts. Well, that's significant. That did not come out of the responses here, but yeah, that's one to go serve. We all know that when you feel depressed, you know, go serve and you're speaking, attesting to that similar thing. I I will try that. That's not one that I have, I have put into place, put into action as we're talking about with this one, Tom, and honestly, not a ton of people responded in this light, but it was one that I uh, engage with a lot. And I just said inspiration, you know, so here you are with a negative emotion and I, I just try to, to fill it over with positive ones. So Jerry says, I read inspiring quotes on the internet. Uh, Daniel says, I listen to music I can sing to. And I sing, he says he does it away from other people. So he doesn't break their eardrums. Uh, but, uh, he showers and car rides are great and he sings and that for me, man, music, I use music and I'll put music on to change my mood. Uh, once in a blue moon, if it's the evening, I'll put a movie on that inspires me, but I'll get into the woods. You know, I live in the middle of the woods. I'll go out and literally hunch, hunker down in the woods or go for a run, but just try to fill it with, uh, inspiration. Uh, so that's a, that's a primary one here. And I appreciate that some people spoke to that. And of course that's incredibly Ziegler-esque, or it reminds me of my buddy, Tom Ziegler says the best way, uh, fastest way to success, replace a good habit or a bad habit with a good habit. And I, I, that's what made me think of here, replace that negative emotion with a positive. Yep. And so I have, I have down, you know, you create your own playlist, you know, it's so easy on your iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, or any device these days to have a playlist. And I would have, boy, I would have just the, I would have one playlist that's, it's your inspiration list. You know, it could have upbeat songs, praise and worship. It could have some zig on it. Uh, but I would have another playlist that like the first five minutes is just, you know, just heart pounding loud, you know, maybe even kind of uh, angry music and then have it just shift over into you know, more of the, more of the positive and how you want to feel, because sometimes we just, you know, it's good to just get up and jump around and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, get that stuff out, uh, create that playlist. I also have the, I like drawer, um, at the company, we do things called I like because, all right. Right. And, and if you're, if you're home with your family, this is kind of cool. You, you just, your family member, you have an I like at the top of the page, there's a blank where you write their, their name in and then, then the word because. And so what you do is when somebody in your family, your friend, somebody you love, somebody you work with does something that you like, you write their name in and you tell them why. And if they're close to, if you're close to them, you just, you change the, you cross out the word like, and you put the word love in. Mm. And so here at the company for 30 plus years working here, 
I've got a drawer full of those bad boys. And so if I need some inspiration, like, you know, somebody just kicked my cat, <laughs> I'll pull that, I'll pull that drawer out and I'll read through the years things that people have said about me. And it takes me back to that moment when it happened and when they get it. And it just, it's like reviewing a victory list, same kind of thing, but that's inspiration to me. Okay. Well, my first experience with the, I like blank because blank cards was at the Ziegler legacy certification course. And I received some of those as well and gave some of those and it was so powerful, but all of a sudden now I feel convicted. Why haven't I done that? at my home. So, all right, there's my action step for the day, Tom. Thanks for that. Uh, well, this one you'll appreciate. And, and I actually called, I titled it, call yourself out. But as I'm looking at it, I really think it's, it's more of a call yourself up comes from our buddy, Christopher Lockhead, who wrote the book, uh, one of the authors of the book, play bigger. And he said, uh, he asks himself if I was legendary, which is uh, part of the title that he uses for his podcast, Legends and Losers. But if I was legendary, what would I do right now? I really like that. Wow. Yeah. If I, I love was, that. I know. And, and uh, you know, we've had people say, and you know, you've heard this too, Tom. Okay. If I, what would I do if I was Zig Ziglar? You know, that's great too. What do, you know, what would Jesus do? What, but it, you're taking that uh, a higher calling, higher view of myself and say, if I was somebody of the stature that I want to be, like Christopher, if I was legendary, what would I do right now? I, I like, I want that bracelet. I love that. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, we had a, uh, Rick Gray, uh, Rick Gray's on my, uh, Facebook fan page or just on my Facebook. So he sends a video over and he tells the story of his friend who heard dad speak at one of these huge events. And dad was having lunch in the VIP room where people had paid extra. And his friend is walking through the room and he's got his six-year-old and his nine-year-old with him who had heard dad speak in the main session that morning. Mm -hmm. And he comes up and he taps dad on the shoulder and he says, Mr. Ziegler, I'm so-and-so and I want you to meet my two sons. Mm -hmm. And he said, dad stood up, turned around, got down on a knee looked at the two boys, put his hands on the first shoulder, the six-year-old, spun him around, looked at him, and then did the same thing with the nine-year-old and said, yep, I knew it. And the boy said, knew what? And he said, I can tell him from a mile away, you two are winners. Mm. Wow. And <laughs> I've heard 50 people tell me that story since dad passed away. Yeah. And that is legendary. Yeah. And the point is, is that I sit here and I say to myself, golly, how many times have I had the chance to do that? Right? Because, you know, you're out in public, you meet somebody, they say, hey, this is our son, Johnny. He's, you know, he's, he's seven. Man, just to, just to lean over a little bit and, and do that one thing. Well, here was the amazing thing. That guy's kids, his nine-year-old was playing uh, sports like six weeks later and their team got beat horribly. And the other team was making fun of them. Hmm. You're a bunch of losers. And at the end of the game, he came over to his dad and he looked at his dad and he said, dad, I know I'm not a loser. Zig Ziglar said, I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. That's legendary. That's legendary. And so I want to thank uh, Rick Gray. If you're a podcast fan, uh, reach out on this. Uh, but 
man, what a, what a story. I love that question. If I was legendary, what would I do? Yeah. Right. Because what's the risk in that? I mean, their parents love it. The people standing around are like, wow, that was pretty cool. And those kids lives impacted. And here I find out about that event, probably 15 years after it happened. That's dramatic. That is, uh, that would be that. How can I be that for someone else? All right, this one, Tom, we're going to take a a right turn here. You ready? I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you who it was after I read it. He says, I throw things around. I break stuff over my knee. I punch someone in the lip, and then the bad attitude just seems to go away. It's how I turn my frown upside down. That's from our buddy Dave Munson of Saddleback Leather. (laughs) (laughs) I I titled that the comedy relief of the show. Uh, And folks, if you don't know uh, Saddleback Leather, uh, you go check them out. It's saddlebackleather.com. Tom and I both have those bags, and we spent a fun day with Mr. Dave Munson, CEO and founder in the Ziegler offices. uh, Oh, there you're holding up your Saddleback products. Uh, there you go. Uh, so I appreciated that. That's classic Dave. We should have him more on the show just to lighten things up. Uh, that's, that's classic him. Um, you know, there was a bunch of them here that I put under, like, I'm not even going to be able to read them all at this point, but just, just taking responsibility. Uh, I'll, I'll read a couple here. Logan says, uh, it's easy to be negative and, or to have a bad attitude when I don't like a situation or event when confronted with this, before I even open my mouth, the very next thought is how is this affecting everyone around me? I confess this is extremely hard to do, but I'm responsible for the energy I bring into a room. Uh, Karen says, or, or Cassandra says, I used to get easily irritated or annoyed and would let it ruin my entire day. It literally takes a toll on your body more than an intense workout. These days I'm much, much different. I ask myself, how is this anger or frustration going to help me? Uh, Kimberly says, I'm, I mainly self-reflect. So when I calm down, I can usually see the forest for the trees somewhat. And I think about what I should have done. I always realize that I gave away a great deal of my power when I get angry, frustrated, or upset, especially if I really do lose it. I, I could keep going. We had a bunch like this where really just taking personal responsibility. And I love that, that we have uh, multiple people who talk about the energy that they are giving away, the life that they are giving away of, of themselves, uh, depleting themselves by giving fuel to these negative emotions. And so Tom, I, you know, I say that I want to put that out there, but we also know these are emotions. I mean, these are not sins. It's not a sin to feel angry. It's not a sin to feel sad. It's not a sin to, to, to have these negative emotions. What we're talking about is going forward and letting them wreck us or being led by them. And it is a, uh, you know, it, it's a big deal. Cause we've all, I have, I get in those spots where I am, man, I know that, my, that the emotion feels bad. I know it's not good. And yet I am struggling to get rid of it. Uh, especially in, you know, intimate relationships. Uh, and so it's a, well, I, I guess I, I want to give credence to the fact that this is a big deal, but yeah, these folks saying they've got to take a hold of it. They've got to take responsibility for it and not let it have the weight of yeah, taking that energy from us. I mean, I think that really gets to the crux of what we're talking about. I, you know, for me, uh, part of it is reframing. Um, and for those of you who are in sales or in, and you're in a, a business where you get told no a lot, I was having a, a sales conversation today. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is we are developing a new relationship and a new partnership with Sandler sales. And one of the Sandler things that they say is, 
no means next. Mm. Excellent. <laughs> and you know what? When you invest a, a lot of time into something, whether it's a sales situation, a relationship, uh, moving a project forward, and you get the no, if you have pre-planned in your mind that no simply means next, mm. then that is a different situation because what we're looking for is, you know, the reality is, is the more problems we solve, the more successful we become, the more people that we help. And so when we, when we get a no from somebody, it frees us to find the next person we can help, the next sale that we can make, the next relationship that we can get invested in. And it's very, very difficult and it's hard. It takes a lot of maturity to look at it that way. And some, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta get told no four or five times, but the reality is, is there is always a next and so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, is our current response or reaction delaying the, the next to next? Yeah. And so what we've, we've got to get focused on what we can do. Dad said this, he, he said, it's, it's not negative to identify a problem, but it's negative to focus on it. Hmm. So we identify the problem and then we focus on the solution. And that is a really a sign of maturity. And so if you can like, if you can have a mental model that says, okay, some things happen that I don't like. Okay. What's my response? Uh, okay. I'm going to make the decision to, to do the autopsy. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And then I'm going to move as quickly as possible to next. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And it somewhat leads into, you know what, I think I'll, I'll wrap us here, Tom, and I'm going to come right around full circle to somewhat what we talked about. You talked about, uh, it was your testimony that you had a, a short night's sleep. You woke up, knew it was going to be, you were going to be a little compromised. And so decided, uh, made some decisions on how you're going to inter interact with your day. Well, so Don here says, I find that if I start my day off with the right routine, uh, I don't get so upset with, with when something happens. Uh, I block time in my prayer closet to be with God, eat a good meal, to start the day, exercise for an hour. That's how I start my day, and I have fewer bad days when I do that. And, and I was kind of thinking of the renewing your mind, but in essence, talking about preparing ahead of time. So we're all going to get up tomorrow morning and we're all going to have a day ahead of us. We can't control what's going to happen to us, but what can we do to prepare for it? And Tom, I, I don't know. I'll put this to you. I mean, I don't want to be pessimistic, but generally to that degree, I say, figure something bad. What might happen today? There's a good chance. I can't control it. Something, something is going to be rude. Somebody's going to be unfair. Something frustrating is going to happen. How do I prepare myself right now in the morning, in the morning, renewing my mind so that I'm, I'm ready for it ahead of time. And, uh, it kind of comes back to the boy, Tom, we, we interviewed somebody. I know it was you and me and I cannot remember who it was. And they talked about hitting, you know, what makes, I know who it was Tom Rath, Tom Rath, uh, author of success 2.0. And it was his book probably have it on the shelf over here. I'll get it here in a second. Uh, and he talked about really looking at what made a, a happy day for people and talked about that aspect that we as a culture often look at a day and say, gosh, how was the day? I, you know, it was a good day. 
And they, we talk about circumstances. Yeah. The sun was shining up. I got a good night's sleep. Uh, somebody brought me breakfast and, uh, I got a call. My boss gave me a raise and you know, all these circumstantial things. That was a good day. Next day is, um, man, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, a terrible night's sleep. My wife was upset with me. Uh, one of my kids got in trouble at school. Uh, you know, coworker did X, Y, Z, and ah, it was a bad day. And we're letting that environmental, the, the circumstances dictate that. And he said, you know, so in his book went through, what are the ingredients that make up a good day, a happy day? And how can we manufacture that? How can we create that, uh, lifestyle design? Just like you and I were talking about before we started the show. And so if we look at that and prepare for that first thing, uh, how powerful is that? And I know that Tom, that's a big testimonial of yours. You have a pre-regimented morning routine as do most successful people that, uh, I would bet at this point in your life, you're, you have, it's like that fear of God. You have the fear of missing that morning routine, right? Am I right? <laughs> yes, I do. So my, my morning routine starts, uh, with at least seven hours of sleep. I don't get the seven hours of sleep. I can feel it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the priority. I get up early, uh, usually between four and five. And then I do my perfect start. That's where I have my two chairs. That's where I have my devotion. That's where I do my reading. That's where I do my performance planner. And I've started writing in a, writing in a journal uh, that I'm going to give to a gift to somebody. They don't know what's coming. So I'm not going to mention their name awesome. in case uh, they listen to this. And I, and I plan my day and I do a mental model uh, of the, the interviews, the talks, the presentations, the conversations I'm going to have. And boy, does that get me going? That's what I learned from dad. Now, the other thing I learned from dad is there are all things that happen in our life on a regular basis that irritate us. And for me as a traveler, uh, weather delays, equipment malfunctions, uh, canceled flights, those all happen. And dad uh, dealt with it too. And so dad developed a routine. He knew exactly how he was going to respond yeah. if that happened before it happened. And because of that, he never got off kilter and never bothered him and never changed uh, his ability to do the most important thing. His ability to be legendary mm -hmm. was amplified because he had pre-planned what he was going to do if things went in a direction that wasn't the way he hoped they would go. And we can all talk about that. Maybe we live on a route to work that, that has traffic jams on a regular basis. We can pre-plan how we're going to respond to that yeah. if it happens. And it's easy, uh, but it does take some thought. Well, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I'll, I'll test then to the book I was talking about with Tom Rath it's fully charged. Tom, I'll put it up there. This is one of the, this is one of the early interviews you and I did together. And it was one of those stuck with me. It was the three key, uh, fully charged. Are you fully charged? The three keys to energizing your work and life by Tom Rath. He is the author of strengths finder 2.0, which is a gigantic uh, so book. Yeah. Were the three keys eat, sleep and move. I think they were, uh, energy interactions and meaning, Okay. But, um, but it was a, still along those lines, but you also are testifying to his, I think he has a book of that 
okay. of that title. Oh yeah. Eat, move, sleep. Yep. That's, that's his book that I think he did right before this one. And uh, I'll have to say to him, what's interesting in this is it's not just a guy who's all amped about, you know, being fully charged and being well, he has a genetic disposition to grow cancer in his body. So he lives every lot, every day, uh, doing everything he can to uh, just like what you just, just talked about Tom, to prepare himself to deal with things as well and, and as healthily as he can and to keep himself healthy and well so that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't go downhill. I mean, that, what a motivation is that? Uh, but it puts a lot of gravity to his message. So there a big push for him, Tom, uh, so, such great stuff. Thank you for your sharing your wisdom and insight on these and folks. It's just incredible. The paths you take us down, the wisdom that you bring to us as a group, when you respond uh, to these questions, I'm inspired, Tom, I'm ready. I'm ready to wake up tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. You know what dad said? Every day is a good day. Just try missing one. Just try missing one. There you go, folks. That's, there's your ending statement right there. Tom brother. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this with me. Always a gift. Yep. What a blessing. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, friends, I hope you got some ideas on how you can better deal with your bad attitude. I absolutely did. If you got value, would you let us know by leaving a review in iTunes? That's the best way to say thanks to us on the show, to Tom Ziegler and to the Ziegler team and your testimonies of Zig's impact in your life. Well, coming up next in show 558, we bring you Stu McLaren. Stu McLaren, he coaches and consults New York Times best-selling authors, top-rated speakers, experts, and niche celebrities on how to launch, grow, and scale high-profit recurring revenue streams. But his primary forte is helping people launch and grow profitable and fulfilling membership sites, where the point is human connection and relationships with your audience, with the people that you want to serve. So in this show, we talk about Stu's personal journey, what brought him to such huge success and why he's now devoted himself and his work to helping people connect. And then through the success there in his personal life, helping some of the least fortunate on earth as he and his wife built schools in Kenya. Really intriguing conversation and you will absolutely be inspired. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>